Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It is July 7th, 2017, and you are listening to episode 77 of Waypoint Radio. That's a lot of sevens. Seven, seven. 2017. Episode 77. 77. I'm Austin Walker. That voice is Danielle Riendo. Also joining me, Rob Zachney. Hey, what's up, everybody? From Boston. You're back on the East Coast. You're back in our time zone. Which is wild. It's great. Yeah, it is a relief. But you know what I didn't remember is that while the temperatures can be similar seasonally, it's yeah. a hell of a lot more humid and cloudy here. Well, it, you hold on to that word humid. We're going to be right back to humid yes. in a second. Yes. Again? Patrick. Yeah, yes. again. I have a, okay. Yes, I have an email to read. Several. Several. Oh, right. I saw yeah. some tweets uh-huh. about this. Patrick Klepek, mm-hmm. you're joining us also. I guess so. <laughs> you're joining He's us sort also. Of here. You're here. I'm just. I'm already deflated by this email that we're going to get to later. Oh. I know it's so frustrating. Well, I'm going to read one that has a nice twist. All right. So, in episode 76 of Waypoint Radio, uh, someone wrote in to say, "Hey, we actually let's go back, rewind more." That was a really bad rewind sound, but I did that. Um, and in episode 75 of Waypoint Radio, we were talking about the best words for humidity. For yes. oh, it's, a, it's a muggy day out there. It was there. Oppressive, oppressive. Muggy, muggy was one of our favorites, I believe. Swampy. All yes, sorts of great words. And someone wrote in episode 76 to say, hey, I got a good one. It's Japanese. It's uh, uh, mushiatsui, which oh. means bug hot. Wrong. No. This comes in from Ryan who says, hi, I was just listening to Waypoint Radio episode 76. A listener emailed in about words for humid, humid weather suggesting the Japanese term mushiatsui and positing that this translates to bug hot. While mushi is the Japanese word for bug, in this context, the word mushi is the noun form of the verb musu, meaning to steam. Therefore, mushiatsui is actually, uh, actually means steaming hot. While not as guttural as a phrase, I figured I should be that guy and correct that listener. I ran the idea of bug hot by my supervisor. I work in a high school in Tokyo, and he thought it was pretty funny and that people should say that instead. Oh. Be good or be bug hot, Ryan. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. I'm I'm bummed. We got a few but of those. We got yeah. someone said multiple people I'm wrote bu- in about I'm bugged by this revelation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's The Dad weighed in. The dad, the dad of the cast. I, Danielle, I'm not sure you're allowed to criticize other people's. <laughs> it wasn't yes. a criticism. Yeah, in the lead into this, <laughs> Danielle made like eight bad puns. Oh, they were so good. And they're all predictable. Well, yeah, that's what makes them a pun. That's not the case. Like, if you, you can, can start thinking, see, the, pain, the thing that you do when you're a punner like me is that you want to see the pain in other people's eyes when they have to ponder where you're going next with it. Mm-hmm. So just so you know... It all started out very innocently. We were talking about Trump and Putin and being sad. Innocently. Well, that was innocent compared to the pun that would happen next. And then I said, hey, if they if they were playing horns together, would they be tooting with Putin? What's everyone been doing besides ruining my ears and my life right now? <laughs> I've been excommunicated. You've been, you can sit in the room. 
You can sit here. You can you can stay I could be, here. I could be hooting with Putin at the zoo with the owls. I hate So anyway, here's the deal. <laughs> Tell me the deal. So I'm moving out of L.A. And I'm trying to sell all my shit at the last minute. Oh, right. Wait a second. Did you get your car back? Did your car... Uh, oh, is your yeah. your car okay. still in California? Uh, crucial update. So I think this is back in Waypoint episode 75. We talk yes. about I sent my car off with a guy. Oh, and right. he only wanted cash for that car transportation. But he also said, like, don't be lying. Like, my car is going to fit in your neighborhood. And I was like, it sure will. Um, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, not only did it not fit down my street, apparently it didn't fit on any of the exit ramps from the highway near my house. Holy shit! Uh, so my girlfriend and one of our roommates had to drive out to a mile marker (laughs) and take delivery of the car on the side of the highway. Very good. Um, so that went, that went super well. Uh, the handoff went down on 93 South. Uh, so that went, that went great. Uh, but hey, the car was fine. Uh, so anyway, so I didn't like make any preparations for getting rid of any of my stuff. So I was trying to sell it all in one day. Didn't work. I ended up like sort of forcing my friends to take a whole bunch of shit uh, they did not want, including a stereo receiver. That let me tell you, like investing in a good sound system and a good stereo receiver seems really rational until you try to explain to somebody why they want this shit. No, and it turns out nobody does. Like, I want it. I love that shit. But, like, when I brought out, you know those stereo receivers with, like, the little, the little rocket with the little microphone sitting on the top that you use for calibration? Are you familiar with this? No, I don't know. It's called a, a rocket. You just have a rocket, you know? It's fine. Okay. So, some stereo receivers to for, help you for calibrate. For audience that's, like, <laughs> under 35, what's a stereo receiver? Okay. Uh, so a stereo receiver is basically a uh, hub for your electronics to plug into right. and route sound out through your speakers and decode uh, audio signals into a variety of formats and then send it to the speakers and also provide power to those speakers, uh, which you definitely want if you want like a really good surround system and a whole lot of shit plugged into it. It's a great investment. I highly recommend it. I don't regret buying it at all, except for last week when I was why trying you, to get someone to take it. You didn't like the. You didn't. Why were you? Oh, you're selling because you were moving. You couldn't carry that home. No, no. Right. It's on your back. You couldn't put it in a bindle. As we'll he, get to that as in a he walked the three thousand miles. Right. Yeah. That's how I fucked up Which my back. His back. Yeah. Exactly. Is that right. Yeah. So no. Okay. So a lot of stereo receivers to help you set up and calibrate your surround sound system have a thing that can only be described as looking like a little rocket. And on the top of the fuselage, basically, uh, where the capsule would be, the command module, yes. okay. you have a little microphone. What's a rocket? We don't have a space program anymore. For the people <laughs> under 35. It's America. Yeah. 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 Uh, so there's a little microphone at the top that like listens to the signals from the speakers and figures out, like, ah, here's the optimal setup for your room, and here's how we delay certain speaker signals oh, wow. and like, boost this, lower that. That sounds cool. It is cool. It is cool. <laughs> but when you're trying to make someone take it and trying to explain to them how good the sound system is, no. and they don't really know what this thing does, and then you bring out a paper rocket-looking thing with a <laughs> microphone nipple at the top of it, they look at you like crazy. And then you're Rob, like, no, this, bad is, news. this is better. This is great. You're going to be so happy. <laughs> I don't. 
This, is this a sex toy, Rob? So did you I'm a, just going to ask. It, was it? Boy, it certainly looks it? like one. I'm okay. not going to lie. All right. Okay. And, you, and, and see, this is why your friends didn't want a secondhand device. Oh, that adds up. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, okay. They definitely oh, thought it was not a radio receiver. They thought it was something else. sort of receiver. Not a sort of thing of, you want to re-gift. Right. You know? I was kind of gently hefting it and proffering <laughs> it in a weird... Huh. Patrick, your face is very good right now. I started this by saying, hey, you guys play video games. And Rob said, like, well, let me tell you about this dick-shaped radio thing I have. <laughs> oh, yeah. So anyway, point is, yeah. long story short, totally wrecked my back trying to sell an air conditioner and then carry said air conditioner. Oh, Jesus. So I've been basically standing around since last Thursday. And occasionally I lie down to sleep, but for the most part, I just stand around. So I needed games that you can, like, sort of just sort of half tune into. And this was the moment that I got heavily into Mafia 3. Yeah. Yeah. Like, How, had you played it before at all? I had, but, like, I played, so I played the, the prologue, which was exquisite. Yeah, the prologue is, like, a different game, though. Like, I like, the, yeah. I like the real game more than I think a lot of people do, but that prologue is just, like, is built for as many people as possible to really love it. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, the, the, prologue's, the prologue's fantastic. I think what I hadn't understood, though, was that... The prologue also dumps you out into one of those really super extended, like, tutorial yeah. sequences that, like, go on for half the length of a goddamn game that are increasingly mm-hmm. common these days. Like, because I, I bounced off of it, because after that, after the sort of high point of the prologue, I was like, is, is this going to be the rest of the game? Like, doing these shitty weed deliveries and, like, going <laughs> and murdering hillbillies next to, like, yeah. clapboard houses? A lot of it. And... <laughs> You just gotta fall in love with the killing people. That's all. Yeah. That's all. Or you, or you can run through the swamp for hours at a time, like some people. Yeah. Do. Or you can not have fast travel and wanting to do anything in that game. You have to spend five minutes <laughs> going across the map. Yeah, especially when you're taking a boat anywhere. God, that takes. Those ages. boats. Oh, suck. Oh, yeah. I hate the boats in that, that game. Bad boats. Boats are on the shit list. <laughs> in all forms. Boat what? No. Are boats, boats. on our shit list in battlegrounds? I think they might also be on our kiss list. We'll see. Mm. The shit and kiss list. Well, those are the two Duly noted. We have. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, so, Auntie Rob, approves. Thank you. I, but one of the things that so, so two things. One is that I I didn't like I was in the perfect place for an open world game like Mafia Three, where like I'm kind of distracted and I'm having trouble like concentrating on stuff. And a game like that really agrees with you at that at that particular sure. moment. But the other thing is that um, Cameron uh, Councilman wrote a piece for us I think last week. Yeah. About how he really likes the murder. In Mafia 3 <laughs> as being, like, really brutal and succinct and to the point. These are not, like, long, raging gun battles. They are just, like, a brutal series of executions. And they yeah. go one way or the other. The case he makes is basically, like, this is a revenge story. And part of the reason that the revenge story works so well is that it you both deal and receive a, a great deal of damage quickly. Yeah. Um, and so... Things are always feel like they could fall apart on you, which makes every success feel incredible. Uh, when we when we actually streamed that game as part of our live uh, seventy two hour launch stream with uh, with with Prodigy from Mob Deep, uh, yeah. rest in peace. That was incredible because it was him getting his head around a single gunfight where you had to like break into a into like behind a bar and like grab a gun from behind a bar and then, like quickly shoot four people and deal with somebody else who grabbed a gun later. And it was like this amazing thing of like oh like you're it's like almost like Hotline Miami. Except yeah. obviously the game isn't built like Hotline Miami, but the the speed at which combat can go bad is very similar. And I I don't know I love the fighting in, in Mafia Three so much. Yeah, and I, and the other thing I think I embraced with this is like 
it had really bothered me the first time I was playing it how dumb the enemies felt a lot of the time mm. and how like easy a lot of the game felt. And this time I kind of embraced the fact that like Rambo in First Blood is not in a fair fight with those town marshals. <laughs> right. Like, no. And that's not the no. point. The point yes. is that he is just unleashed on yes. this fucking town and in the space of a day basically <laughs> destroys it. And that's what this game is doing. It, it's basically like these guys fucked with the wrong soldier. Yep. And the entire point of this game is you're taking all those murder skills that your character has returned from Vietnam carrying and just turning them loose on this hapless bunch of like, you know, hillbilly clansmen yeah. and yeah. mafiosi kind yeah. of yeah. Yeah, and so I really this time I'm really embracing the fact that like it actually isn't meant to be that hard of challenging no. because you're the predator in this situation. <laughs> this is meant to be a game where you br- you get back into cover and you still hear those assholes like trading shots with mm-hmm. your last known location from five minutes ago while those you're idiots. knifing like yes. three more dudes. Yeah, <laughs> it's I I really warmed up to it uh, this time, just sort of embracing that that fantasy of like. Oh, this is this is uh, a classic revenge fantasy. Right. These people are just sort of bricks on the road to revenge, not not actual adversaries. Totally. And uh, I really enjoyed it on that level. I, I think I said this last year, but one of the things I realized, I, the, one of the moments I realized I loved that game was just when I realized I was picking up guns because I liked how they sounded and felt, not because they were the best guns I had available. Where I was like, oh, I want this big fuck-off revolver, even though this automatic is just way better. Oh, I want this, like, single-shot marksman rifle, even though I have an AK that does the job way better in the scenario. Just because, like, I like how it sounds and feels and the vision of, of uh, Lincoln, like, turning down a hallway and it's like blot blot is just like so much better than yeah. than you know with, with some other weapons so like ugh, i like that game a lot i really want to go back and play the dlc so when did that come out it's Was been coming out over the recent? last oh, couple okay. of months yeah <laughs> so there's two so far um i think there's one where you go after another racist piece of shit Good. another like clan yeah. adjacent thing and there's one that's a backstory to the CIA guy. Oh, um, Donovan? Donovan. Donovan. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, John Donovan, where it's like, I don't know if it's, I don't know how much of it's flashback. I don't think it's flashback. I think it takes place out in the bayou again, and it's supposed to be reminiscent of the time that they spent in Vietnam together. Because ah. uh, it's like similar, like similarly designed areas. It's just like. Alligators are present. Right. I don't like know if they actually Vietnam. are in Vietnam. Let me, <laughs> let me make that clear. I think that was, a, that was the no pitch idea. on it. So I'm going to try yeah. to go back to that. Maybe. Maybe not this weekend, but soon I'm going to try. Like, I booted it up the other day, and it ran like shit for me because my computer's been being weird. Oh, no. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try again, though. My computer's being weird sometimes, and it's frustrating because I tried to stream PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds the other day, and it, didn't, it wouldn't let me stream because that game is very CPU-intensive. But other than that, we've had a pretty good week playing PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, which is still, like, my main free-time game at this point. Uh, to the degree that even though Patrick and I do a daily stream, <laughs> we still just like late last, like late last night, like too late last night, Patrick. <laughs> we were this like, game is bad for me. Me sleep. I until this game prior to playing this game would go to bed at reasonable times. Yeah, not not anymore. Because you could just sneak one in. It feels so easy. Yeah. Like I'll oh, just do one quick one, and like ah, we got third place. Let's go again. 
Um, but then if you had a good, good run, then it's suddenly a, th- a thirty minute game. And yeah, exactly. Suddenly one in the morning and go to bed. It's you're probably funny. hyped up too. Right, yeah, it's not like no, oh, I'm gonna chill out now and play hands, a nice relaxing game. Your yeah. chest is like your heart is coming out of your chest. Like it's that's how it is. It's so good. Yeah. Well, and you, what you do is, or what I do is, I give myself like, oh, I can play a quick game. It'll take like ten minutes because I'll probably die. No, you won't. You've gotten too good for that. Oh. You know not to how not to die in the first ten minutes if you don't want to. And like, yeah. And now I'm up until one thirty. God damn it! But that game is really good. Yeah, but we, yeah, we've we've had some some good runs. If, if folks haven't been keeping up with the the Twitch streams, uh, like th- there's been a notable change in the last. Pro- it's certainly this week. I think this week yes. there was a a, we a, a hump we got over, which yeah. is we've uh, sort of subconsciously, consciously, maybe a mixture of both, have started getting more aggressive, communicative, and tactical. Yeah, and the result has been if we end up on a run that doesn't you sputter out in the first couple of minutes where one of us dies and then there's just no hope for yeah. us we we tend to either die immediately because something just goes wrong right up front or like we're making it to the top 10 very consistently and uh in three a number of runs games? making it like top Ooh. three uh yeah. we've had you know we had a run this morning where i was it was one-on-one yep uh we Fuck, had we matches both on stream and off stream that uh, like there's, I think specifically of a, a scenario that I think sort of encapsulates the, the difference between if you were to go back and watch us when we got started, when you were teaching me how to play the game, and where we've graduated to now was that you know early on you had a sniper rifle with yeah. a scope, and there was somebody that was in a, a building that we wanted to go in and not only hide out in but to loot, um, but they were hiding out in the top, and right. so you were sniping them. And I could have just waited to see how your back and forth snipe yeah. went, but instead you uh, started laying down cover fire and distraction fire. I charged into that building. Announced, I announced like, "Hey, give me cover fire." Yep. I guess that's the, the crucial part. I announced, yes. "Give me cover fire to distract him," right. so I could go in there, run up the stairs, shotgun him in the face, and then he's down. And we were able to loot that and another person three, nearby. There were three people, four people total in that place. I'd killed one of them up there already, and there were two other ones who had been in a fight in that same building. And like, even going back to the point of just like, I was shooting them from an open hillside, but from instead of trying to get to a a roof nearby or the second floor of another building that I would feel in my heart was safer because it was indoors. Like, just feeling comfortable enough in that game now to be outside is feels like a, a, a piece of progress, a little step forward in, in the mastery of that game. Like, today, there was a bit where Patrick was running, and he put, like, a riverbank bes- between himself and somebody else. There was a time today when, like, I was just like, oh, if I can just get onto the other side of this, not this other side of the hill, down into the valley, just barely on the other side of this hill so I can cut off a, a, a kind of firing line. And, like, that stuff is is feels so good to realize that you can... I've internalized the rules of the game and the geometries of the game enough to feel confident about those moves. I had a couple of bad things this morning too, but all said this week, <laughs> you, all you said couldn't, you couldn't uh, shoot for shit today. <laughs> yeah, I just I had. Uh, you know what? No bagels in the office this morning. That's what it was. I'm serious. Like all, playing also, battle like, empty stomach. The entire MTA was flooded. And it was horrible. Oh, was it? <laughs> well. Getting around was a little rough okay. in New York City this morning. I'll just say that. Yeah. Also, shouts to Danica. Poor who's Danica. Fucking living a nightmare apartment life right now has been flooded four times in yeah. the last like two weeks. Fuck bad landlords. That's yep. what I'm going to say. Fuck bad Fuck apartments. Fuck bad landlords. Fuck bad flooding on the MTA. Yeah. But thumbs up to Battlegrounds, yeah. a game we're getting better at. Yay, it's cool yeah. to feel like I'm getting better at something. Question for you guys. Just yes. real quick. Uh, like, 
in terms of like the nerves and the pressure and getting amped up, uh-huh. is that more a function of like specific situations or is it more a linear function where as you get closer to, you know, the final, final eight, final four, like, are do you, are you still pretty uh, like able to chill early on, even if you're in like intense combat yeah, or yeah, for, is it? Yeah. For me, the first 10 minutes are nothing at this point. Cause like I'll die. Okay. I haven't lost much. Yeah. I can sneak in another game. Um, and in fact, part of that is just like Patrick and I do our best to jump into the shit as quickly as possible often because there are like locations on the map, Rob, that are very dense with good loot. And so things like, oh, this is this hospital. There's this uh, military base. If we go there, like we're going to get good stuff. And so you know that you're also going to get into a firefight because everybody else knows the good stuff is there too. And so you get practiced at getting into those early wild firefights slash I'm chasing a person around on a roof and trying to punch them. <laughs> I've picked up a crowbar and I'm swinging it wildly. Like, and that's just goofy fun. Then I'd say the middle of the game for me is when I can get into a tense situation that isn't about the depth into the, the overall arc of the game, but is just about a situation. Finding a sniper rifle with an 8, 8x scope and knowing there are four people over there, and if I do bad, they'll find me and kill me, but if I do well, we'll get a lot of great loot. That is a high-tension high situation because it's in that, like, 15-minute range, 15 to 30-minute range. And the last 10 minutes, like, 30 to 40 is just, like, I can't, like, I could stumble my way into victory. Or I could fuck up immediately, or what ends up normally happening is, like, I make a few really good decisions, and then we make one or two decisions that are not bad decisions, but they're not the best decision. Or you made a decision, you know, five minutes ago that fucked you because you went left a little bit instead of right a little bit. It's so, there's so many variables at the end of that game that it's so easy yeah, to, get I, I think or, that's to get fucked like over. Yeah, I think that's, the current, like, uh, sort of, like, skill and comfortableness arc with the game is, like, learning enough situations to adapt to different the different stages of sort of a match. And, you know, I think both of us have collectively sort of come to understand, even when we screw it up, it's 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 just because sometimes shit just goes wrong in yeah. a game. Sometimes things are unexpected and there's nothing you could have done um, or anticipated. Whereas I think when you get down to, like, that final ten people, like, especially the final five people, yeah. that is a situation in which we have so... We're getting more experience with it, but... Not like it's not at the point where I, I'm like, oh yeah, I've been here before. Like you know, whatever. Like yeah. I'm I am actively making mistakes because I just begin to panic because I haven't spent enough time in that particular moment. Like the, yes. the one we had this morning on stream where it was one on one. I had picked a very fortunate location behind a rock with where a river uh, stopped anyone. From, like I basically three fourths of around me was fully blocked <laughs> from anyone ever touching me. But then when it came down to having to escape from that little sliver in front of me to the person who the one person who was left, I I proned forward when I probably should have ran forward. I didn't use a smoke grenade in the direction that probably made the most sense. Yeah. And those are things that, you know, if I can get there a couple more times, I'm gonna increase my my likelihood for success. Like it's still not gonna be a guarantee because sometimes people just get the drop on you and they've right. got the, the the position that you can't do much about. But it's all about increasing your percentage by like five five percentage points, ten percentage points, like just giving you a little bit better option 
um, in the moment. Or even um, just, like, getting more practice with all the different weapons in that game yeah. so that, like, when I wind up Sniper in the Sniper rifles we're working totally. on. Totally. Right or, like, or, like, sometimes it's, like, a gun. Like, I don't like the scar very much, but I'm going to start picking it up and using it so that when the time comes that I'm in the top five with a scar, I'm not like, oh, shit, I don't know how this gun works. I don't know how this gun feels. Like, getting familiar with all that stuff is so important. Um, Again, our friend Cameron oh. was trying to tell you all about this, like, literal weeks ago. Uh, of course. Cameron knows all. We, we Cameron's all bless a pretty Cameron. smart dude. Cameron's yeah. very smart and good. I want to ask. I want to ask ahead. about something. Uh, as as opposed to just the gameplay itself, how fun is it for both of you to do the sort of performative aspect of streaming this game? How how much is that? It's part fun of this? until someone opens the door and says they have the room. Oh yeah, um, I, I see. I, I see. I got you. It's fun until it's also fun until you know, like it, there is. It's gotten more fun as we've gotten better at it. Sure, because I don't feel the need to inject. Um, like chaos. I don't need. To, I don't have the same need. I haven't had the same need this week to try to run somebody over with a car, like <laughs> or like get us into a firefight that we shouldn't be in. Or you want to actually play well, uh, right? Well, at this point, playing yeah. well is actually still entertaining. Sure, I think as a as a like as a viewable experience. Whereas uh, we, I think we have also enough of vocabulary to discuss the game. Yeah, to a detail. Whereas before, when we we're still learning a lot about what we want to do, what we should do, not knowing different mechanics or how yeah. different attachments work. You end up, you know, you're filling space in different ways. Whereas now I think by and large, like we're talking only about the game and I enjoy the performance. Yeah. Like, like they're the idea of being in the one-on-one spot I was in with Austin and, uh, and knowing that you know 600 people are also watching, like it's in the back of my mind the whole time, and yeah. that is fun. Like I, I find that part fun because the because as disheartening as it is, like the reward, knowing like how excited 600 people are going to be when that does happen, and like the the thing we've set up for ourselves, where eventually it, it you know when I don't know if it's you know Monday or two weeks from now or a month from now, but like. Right. We're getting to the point where, like, we're going to hit what was the ne- the what we had set up as sort of the purpose of this feature in the first place, and that's going to be deeply satisfying. Not only to have done that for ourselves, but what is also interesting about playing games like this or playing games on a stream regularly, where people can watch your understanding develop and tangibly then play out in how you play the game. Like, it's satisfying as a viewer, I imagine, as well, where it's like, man, you guys were shitty at this game yep. when you got started. <laughs> we're bad. Well, like the thing that was great, the thing that one of the things that's great is like the things that we used to do, learn to stop do, and now understand how to do them right, and we come back to it. Mm-hmm. So like something like, hey, there's probably people over there in that little compound. When we first started, I'm like, let's go fuck them up. <laughs> and we like roll in with a car, loud as sin, and just like get into a gunfight and get destroyed. Then we're like, no, let's park the car over that hill and walk up slowly. But now we're, we've gotten to the point now where we can be like, all right, let's drive the car in, and then you go left, I'll go right, and oh, we'll like throw yeah. them off, and then Divide we'll kill and them, and it'll be super fun. Yeah. And so we've gotten the, the, enough of the, vocab, the kind of gameplay vocabulary to actually do some really expressive stuff that feels just – it's just a blast. It really is. <sighs> um, it reminds me – where we're at reminds me of like a football team that is really good at driving the ball but can't get touchdowns, right? Like we are – we can <laughs> yeah, get, into, get, the get zone, into the red zone. Yep. Again yep. and again and again, and we just fucking don't have the skill to close the deal quite yet. But we'll drive on him. Like, we'll throw I am, that. I'm loving Patrick's thousand-yard stare that followed that, <laughs> that followed that football analogy. That. Oh, you have some uh, familiarity? Yeah. You know what that means. Comment, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> 20s. 
so we'll yeah. get there. I think we'll we're, we're going to keep playing it and and keep. What's well, funny because like we, again we played last night like and did well, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't have counted. Like it would have counted. No, but it wouldn't have counted. No, we like even with video. Ch- if we'd gotten counted. a chicken, yeah, if we'd gotten a chicken dinner last night, that wouldn't have ended the feature because the feature no. is doing it along with the yeah. audience, and right. it's going to be exciting too because all that's sort of like the the end state we set up when we started this whole thing. Uh, there's like fun custom game modes, and um, I'm not sure. I guess. We should talk about it, yeah. only over email has the or I guess in our forum threads it's been yeah. disclosed the custom game mode called Winters that Winters. someone came up for um, for the do you want to set up what that is because yeah, I'm excited get, to, to do get, that at some did point. Did we get an email about it too that I should that I can read from or do we just get yeah the, no there is yeah um, okay. I'll, let me see if I can find it is it in our main gaming one or is it was in, it called it was called Winters right I th- I think no? so well I can just go to the thread because I know that that's there. Um, so there was a group of people who were playing from our Discord uh, and in our um, our forums. Uh, they were playing a, a version of the game that they were calling Winters, named after the Band of Brothers character, Major Winters. Is that a thing, Rob? I look at Rob because – Yeah, yeah. Captain <laughs> okay. Major Winters, yeah. Who like gets caught behind enemy lines, right? Uh, I so find, I, I, I have the post email. here. So I'm just going to okay. read. This is from Kestrel Pie uh, over, in the, over in the forums. Uh, I'm sitting next to a solitary rock on a beach with my one surviving buddy waiting for a delivery of that sweet, sweet chicken dinner. And the anticipation is all the sweeter, not just because uh, this run was my very first chicken dinner. It was also the result of a house rule mode that was accidentally invented the previous, the previous night. Folks, I bring you winters. It all began during a regular squad match when John, who's one of our four members, told everyone to jump and head west from the plane. Except that they meant to say east. Uh, because Rezzy and I knew the location they had in mind, we went correctly east. Except that Vivaldist, uh, who ended up going about as far west as possible. In a short amount of time, us three got into a losing fight, leaving Vivaldist as the last survivor on our team. They wanted to get, went on to get the number four team rank, and as my ghost watched their relative success, I had an idea. What if we all deliberately split up at the start of the game and then played with the aim of eventually reuniting before the end? <laughs> we thought this would be a fun way of enhancing the kinds of stories that PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds already excels at, but what we weren't prepared for was what an exciting and viable strategy it is for playing as a squad of four. A few minor embellishments were suge- suggested. Vivaldus thought of the name Winters after Major Winters in the Band of Brothers series. He gets separated from the rest of his squad behind enemy lines without any weapon. This is based on the true story of the real Major Winters. I figured that we could do it by deliberately aiming to be as far away as possible, but John suggested the much easier way it ought to work, which is that everyone secretly picks a spot after the plane route becomes apparent. Once we're ready, we count down from three and then mark our spots all at once with no taking it back. Uh, It's quite the feeling being in a squad where we all start off with different stories, which gradually become more and more entwined until we are united again. It's as if the storytelling potential of the game becomes multiplied. Perhaps someone gets in trouble and needs to hide while another attempts to mount a daring rescue from far away, from further away than is comfortable. Or perhaps only one person is anywhere near the circle, but they haven't found any decent equipment yet. It's hard to describe how alive with possibility our winter's runs became uh, there's more here everyone should check it out but uh, w- along with like full guidelines that they've established it's really cool I'm really like excited to play it but it's like a reward it's like the second chicken dinner the first chicken dinner yeah. is we win we get chicken dinner and then like we have bonus dinners which is we get to try this mode we'll get to try the zombie mode mm-hmm. like and we'll keep playing as there is like more and more of uh, like more DLC added, not DLC, more like maps are, are being added as they've been rumored to be added soon. Um, some other stuff like whenever there's a big update, I think we'll always come back to check that out this year. 
But it's been, I don't know, it's been a blast so far. <sighs> I think that's our PUBG check-in for, yeah, for this week. So. Our, our, our moment of plunk bat. Uh, plunk bat. Plunk bat. Danielle, you've been playing another game that got updates lately. Oh, yeah. You're playing more Zelda. I'm playing so much Zelda Breath of the Wild. The, that nice DLC that... So what do you, what's the DLC, like we talked about what the DLC yeah. was last time. What have yeah. you been playing in it or like how has it changed your I experience I am attempting all? to make the entire map. The whole damn thing, green, and I'm very close. <laughs> How? I go everywhere. Okay, so I go you, literally everywhere. So the green stuff here is the just like hero's the, the journey path. Path? Here's path, path. I think you know. Have Joseph you found Campbell like the new equipment link. stuff? Have you done the new? Trial, a little bit. You know, I'm I'm starting out with the tingle stuff. Okay, I, I've started like looking for the tingle stuff. Okay. It's not. You know, this is just an excuse to do more and keep right. playing this game. That's how I'm looking at this. I honestly. booted up a master mode, a like hard oh, mode yeah. game this morning, and then like I had to be like, okay, do I really have the time for this right now? Mm. It's because you've you've got your game that you're playing in your free time. Well, the thing is, like, I would make, if if there wasn't a social component to Battlegrounds at this point, I would just jump back into Zelda sure. with my like my limited free time. But like, it's because I get to socialize and play a game at the same time that I'm letting myself that letting Battlegrounds take that space. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Like, I don't That's know. Fair. Maybe I'll, I'll start playing some more Zelda again. We always have to do a little dance and make excuses to play things sometimes. We do, I think every things. adult with a job yes. has to do that yes. forever. Totally. And that's always how it's been. Uh, one other thing that's going on this week, and it's very exciting, is SGDQ. Totally. Uh, and we've had a couple of really good pieces, I think, this week yep. so, so far. Uh, Cameron wrote a really cool piece that I really, really, uh, Cameron Kunzelman, mm-hmm. I think we've said him, <laughs> him a few times already. Today. Sorry. Uh, he uh, He wrote about how. He really enjoys watching the sort of narrative games be broken. Like, basically a linear game, not like a Tetris or a puzzle game where it's it's learning the patterns and sort yeah. of executing on a high level. This is more executing on a high level of how to break the hell out of a game mm-hmm. that is otherwise a fairly linear or narrative experience. I've had a lot of fun watching that this week. There have been a few runs What's that have caught my eye. Uh, there was a Banjo-Kazooie run by Stivity Bobo. He has a really good Banjo-Kazooie speedrunning name. Ban- so what is, yeah. what's like... What is the banjo speed run? What's that look like? It's just breaking the game in all kinds of interesting okay. ways. And and it's a 100% run, so it's actually oh, wow. going through the whole damn thing in like two wow. hours-ish, uh, which is beautiful. And, and of course, as always, the level design in that game always, always gets me excited. There's just so much wide open space and then also like really tall spaces mm-hmm. and really sort of deep spaces. The verticality of the levels is something that will always excite me and I will always be interested in seeing that game broken yeah. <laughs> I watched into the many pieces. Very interesting uh, Half-Life 2 oh. uh, speed run, which just has all of these amazing tricks that are just like, all right, hold this box and push it into this like seam in the level and it will pop you into a different map load. Uh, and I, I really love that love stuff that. too. Even yeah. though, just because it suggests a level of, of understanding about how the game actually functions yeah. that is not just abstract and not just craft-based, but then, like, transforms into being a thing you do. And it's like, you should never know how to do it. Like, I've always thought that it feels like magic. There's a thing yeah. in the front of the table, like, fantasy setting. We have a, a sort of magic that I I and the other player always reference as being vaguely, like, speedrunning, where it's just like, I don't know, you get those 22 birds, and then you, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> put these books in this order. The world just breaks, and something it, cool yeah. can happen from it. Uh, I love watching those sorts of speedruns. It's like runs an actual spell. There are like actual, actual holes in the world. There's actual right. bits where the exactly. 
exactly. you, you can see the tape. Exactly. You know, the duct tape that's holding this level and, and this like, level all together. All you have to do is wiggle a little bit there yeah. or, like, have these seven items in your inventory. It feels like magic to watch it happen. It's, it's so fascinating. dope. Um, so, yeah, I, I watched, Shout I watched a couple folks. of those. <laughs> I also realized, and, like, I didn't realize this. I've always known this. I, I don't – this is, like, a huge, like, shame, pile of shame. Yeah. Thing. I never played Half-Life 2. Half-Life 2 is a huge, like, hole in my, like, game uh, history because I know lots of people love it. I know that lots of people who like the sorts of narrative-driven first-person shooters love it. Um, and at the time, like, I just – I bounced right off of it. Like, bounced right off of it despite having liked Half-Life 1 years before. Uh, and it's just like, oh, wow, like, I – there's a character in it named Dog. Is that – what's that character named? Is it – I thought dog was like I thought dog looked way different than dog. You thought dog was a dog. No, I didn't think bounty hunter. Yeah, dog the bounty. I thought it was dog the bounty hunter. I was so sure that it was just. (sighs) No, I thought it was. Hey um, Gordo. (laughs) Excuse me. What was that? What Uh, nothing. I thought (laughs) that dog was like uh, organic. I didn't realize that dog was a big robot. Oh. And dog. So now you like dog better. No. Yeah. 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 That's I all do. Right. It's all right to say. It. I do. So like, <laughs> it's it's it was really funny for me to watch that speed and be like, oh shit, I hmm, maybe if I get past that boat section, I'll actually. <laughs> you were like you were like the boats again. Man gif like you see the robot come out and you're like, hmm. boats are on the shit list still. Still on that shit list. I gotta say also just with regards to SGDQ, yeah. I really love watching small obscure games run and yeah. like world records be like set what? on. There was a there was one run today that I was really enjoying. It was uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 on the Game Boy, which is like a Metroidvania. Sure. I had never even seen this game before. Mm-hmm. And the runner got like a nine second world record just today. Jeez. Just running this game. Because like these smaller games don't necessarily have, you know, thousands of people re- the way Ocarina of Time or right. Mario sixty four or something like the bigger you know, you kinda have seen a lot of the tricks if you've sort of watched speedrunning or followed speedrunning at this point. But when like really little games or speed run and by like a really passionate community yeah. and somebody is like, oh, so that's my PV. Oh, that's my world record. It's like really amazing. There's yeah. like a real warmth to the room when that sort of thing happens. So I'm enjoying that. That's my as PB well. is my favorite line from Mass Effect in drama. That's my PB. And then she does the thing with her T. She's like, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> speaking of older games, I think Patrick and I both got to play some games that or some remakes of older games oh. this this week. How's Crash doing, bud? Did you check out Crash? Yeah, I mean, it's... True or false? Crash is back. True or false? Yes or no only? Is Crash back? Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) Like, I mean... Tell me about Crash is back. Technically speaking, he is back, but isn't, like, a deeper version of that, like, should he have come back? Ooh. Should he? Yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What? Uh... No, yeah, it's uh, the one. It is uh, Vicarious Visions, like as I mentioned before, like a really underrated developer that does lots of really interesting work on projects that don't necessarily get as high as a profile for for the work that they do. I, I mean, in terms of revisiting a classic or an old game, I guess rather, um, uh, and and revitalizing it and and putting you know sort of spit shine on it for how you. How, how you thought about it in your memory, like, mm-hmm. you can't do any better than this. There's some controversy brewing over the physics of this game and the the, the collision modeling that it does because oh. they built this game from the ground oh, up. Oh, right. And so um, the thought is that the game is a little bit harder than people remember because it literally is harder than people remember because of the way that uh, Crash actually lands on certain objects. 
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Um, so it's hard for me to tell, like I played about 90 minutes of it this morning and got to a stage with like 30 something lives and fucking, I couldn't get to the end. Wow. And then when you start over, you start with four lives. It's not no. good. Um, but it's a, it's, yeah, it's, it's a simple platform where I've only played, uh, you know, about 20% of the first game. Um, and I'm, I want to kind of check out 20% of each game and sort of just see the, the, the arc of how those games did or didn't yeah. develop. Cause they came out in pretty quick fashion. So I'm curious, um, what the differences are or if they're just like, you know, essentially level expansion packs, you know, released over three years. But, uh, I, I'm so glad that something like this exists because if you're curious, this is a much better way to try out and see what these games were all about. Whereas when you go back to play, you know, a lot of, you know, older games that people hold in some esteem, you often have to say, well, you know, it was a product of its time, which is still true of Crash Bandicoot from a design uh, sort of ethos. But and I think Crash, given its like simple polygonal art aesthetic, also holds up better than yeah. a lot of other 3D games yeah. where like it's not going for a realistic look. I think Crash in some ways still looks pretty all right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas opposed to this game is taking, you know, a, you know, a 90s aesthetic and giving it a 2017 uh, makeover. But uh, I, I'm enjoying a chance to kind of revisit those games. Um, they're they're actually tighter and more constrained than I remembered. Like, you know, I knew in my head that they were very linear in terms of how you're sort of navigating an environment, but it is kind of incredible how tight of a corridor um, they have you going down in, in a lot of these stages. But if you're at all curious about the Crash games or you liked the Crash games, there's really no reason not to check this out. It is as well made as you could have wanted or expected. I think the only thing I would have liked out of it, which video games are just really poor at doing this for some reason, is that I wish, you know, these sort of remasters, these like very explicitly catering to fans of a game that came out some yeah. decades ago, I wish they had more behind the scenes stuff. I wish they had mm. more, you know, making of and making of concept and, art. And, yeah, and like there's a little bit of that in the Capcom Mega Man ones that they've yeah, those they've are, done recently, those can but be not okay, but not but enough. Not, oh, it's mostly concept art and like abandoned things like that. I yeah, there's just so much, and a lot of the you know what I you know those people are are dying or will be dying like you know in in the decades to come, and there would be a lot of worth in archiving the thoughts and stories of those those games and those people. And the people that actually put out these revivals are in the best position to actually <laughs> yeah. archive that stuff relative to, you know, I'd love to do more of that, but I know I'm not going to get access in a way that right. I would like. And that's, that's you know, it's great that this Crash Master has a lot of that, but it sucks that I have to go to Polygon to read a, like, really detailed oral history account of how Crash Bandicoot was made. They did a, they did a phenomenal job, like, they did something similar to um, what we did with Halo, sort of, like, Which uh, we did similarly through. to what they had done yeah. with Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, exactly, and like exactly. And I'm glad that stuff exists, totally. and, and part of the, the reason that journalistic publications are, are, uh, exist are to fulfill those things and to, to tell those stories, but, man, like, I wish... A versions of that were adapted for 
this type of material. So there could be some sort of dip- like there's not going to be another Crash Remaster. Like this is it. Like th- like this is right. the one and only time. Like they might this might get released on future platforms, but they're not going to do another remake of Crash Bandicoot because in no world will that make sense. And I just wish this had more of, well, how was this made? Like, even this remaster, it would have been fascinating for them to interview the developers. Like, yo, we had no source code. We had to build this game from scratch. There's just a lot <laughs> of interesting keep, stories. Like, char- like, we had to keep the vibes of these characters, even though we didn't have actual access to their original art assets. Like, yeah, and, like, this game came from Naughty Dog. Like, the developers of Uncharted, right, who are now owned right. by Sony, even though this franchise is owned by Activision. Like, there's just bizarre history associated with this and so many other games that get, like... When they do Shadow of the Colossus, you know, next year, like, that, th- th- yes, like, there is yeah. so much. Please. Like, do, a, do an hour documentary about the stuff cut from that game and the people who explore. Like, ah, yeah. The parachute so that's off a to the side. Ah, yeah. I just want a whole doc on that, on the secrets, the, the like, hidden uh, areas in Shadow of the Colossus. That alone would be oh, really good. That'd be cool. Um, I've been playing another game that's getting a remaster. Uh, I've been playing uh, Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac oh, game. Oh, how's that? Well, so first of all, I just want to say that it is also on, has been on my pile of shame for a long time because it came out after my PS2 broke when I was in college. Oh. Uh, and I didn't, and I couldn't afford to fix my PS2. And it was really frustrating because... On paper, it was exactly what I had wanted, which was, like, a thing I could just dump a ton of time into and also was a little bit more, like, the aesthetics of that game really appealed to me. The tone of it did. The voice acting really appealed to me. The story that I'd, I'd heard from friends was, like, this is the one that I actually really want to play. Um, and so I can talk about the first few hours now. Uh, and I st- all the stuff that I thought I would really like about that game, I still really think I'd like about that game. I like the setting a whole bunch. The characters are really cool. Um, it does a very good job of quickly setting up all of the and all of the party characters. Like I'm only again, I can only talk about the first like three hours. But like in that first three hours or so, like I've seen all of the major party characters. I understand who they are. Um, and I can see how all of the things are going to tie together to put them together. I think I can anyway. Uh, and I mean, like, this is, it's not a spoiler to talk about how they come together. That game has been out for a long time. But right. the remaster is my first experience with it, sure. which is like a really interesting thing. There's also are twists and turns that I don't know the specifics of because 12 is not one of the Final Fantasy games that lots of people like love to talk about. There isn't, I mean, there is lots of fan art. There is lots of fanfic. But like, as far as like ones that I, when I talk to fans of the series, when they say this is my favorite, like it's not six, it's not seven, it's not no. nine, it's not yeah. ten, it's mm-hmm. not lightning return. Like it's it's the, the ones that I get, that I hear people talk about. It's not this one, uh, and I think yeah. a lot of that has to do with the combat system. And I don't want to like dredge up a decade old conversation at this point, um, but it's been very frustrating because there's stuff on paper in the combat system that I love. That I love. I love the notion of gambits. I love the idea of like I'm gonna program AI switches for my player car- for my different party members so that they know when to heal people. <laughs> but for the first few hours, there's just not I'm not doing anything. Like I never I'm never in a situation where I need to cast spells, let alone need to program a character to know when to cast <coughs> excuse me, cast that spell. Um, and especially coming off of Final Fantasy XV which is a very active game in terms of, like, using abilities, feeling like you're swinging a sword, like, actually doing combat, and also just all sorts of other JRPGs that have that more action-y combat now, or at least a combat that is quick choice-making, sure. or even slow tactical choice-making. Whereas this, like, I just haven't hit anything. I haven't hit a boss. I've hit, I fought bosses at this point. None of them have, like, pushed me to, to think up a creative strategy with how to deal with them. Um, and that... 
I'm not far in. That could totally change. But even the notion that I heard at the time, and Patrick, you brought this up to me this morning when I brought this game up to you, like, oh, it's MMO-style combat was what I heard back then. And at the time, I was like, that's cool. I'm all before MMO-style combat. I like MMO-style combat. It's not MMO-style combat. MMO-style combat is like, hey, I am a class. These are my, you know, eight or like four to 20 moves that I can do, like abilities that I have. I'm going to get into a rotation doing them. I'm going to know when I should use the one that taunts an enemy or that buffs me or whatever. And at this point in the game, I just have none of that stuff. And my hope is that that changes in the near future um, because I'm going to keep trying to put some time into it. And I'm going to try to write about it for next week. But, like, I want to like this game so much. I just <laughs> – I, I will say – one thing it does is that it does let you speed up time. It does let you hit a, like L one and go into double time. Or there's pump, a lot of really smart time. tweaks that this game made. Yeah. Like it's not just a uh, uh, an aesthetic remaster. It's not just you know uh, some something visual based. Like I was reading, I can't remember all the the different changes they made. But like this was sort of in the same in the way that Crash. Uh, took the visuals and updated it to 2017. Yeah. Like this was a remaster that took some of the mechanics and said like. Okay, like how could we make this better for people in 2017 without destroying the things that people loved about it? Like yeah. for example, there, this game had something called the international version yes. that came out at some point, um, and it didn't come to the U.S. It came out in Japan, and it was essentially like a revised gameplay tweaked version of the game that introduced a job system yep. that was not uh, in the original which is release. Really cool, yeah, it's a cool job system, and apparently, eventually, the characters can now they've done it. They've changed it again to where now you could have two job classes by the like mid game. You unlock another second job for every uh, for every character that they can take, uh, which is really cool because you get a now part time job too. You get a part time job All right. exactly. So All right. Instead of just being the like magic samurai class. You're also maybe the white mage. And, and the thing that I actually love about that decision is it re-engages the sorts of players who already did import the international version of that okay. game and says, like, okay, you love the stats side of this. You love figuring out cool builds. Think about how many cool builds you can build when you pick two jobs and, like, what abilities can you – you know, what ways can you make the gun class better if they also had these abilities from this other class? I just wish that That's game cool. – I, I, I played, like, 15 hours of that when it came out on – the, the PS2. I, at the time, I was obsessed with basically anything that Square was putting out yeah. and anything that was Final Fantasy. Like that was a thing I waited in line for at midnight to go get. Like I, that, I was so excited for Twelve to come out, and everything about the combat put me off. Like I yeah. to the point that I don't even have an interest in like revisiting it because well, one, I just don't have time, but two, it just. I, I loved the visuals. I liked the story that, that was being set up, and I just wish it was in a di- like a different game. Like Here's I, what I'll it, say: is I wish it was on the Switch. Oh, um, sure, yeah. yeah, because it's actually a really good podcast or like Netflix game, chill kind of game. Uh-huh. Because yeah. you can go up to two or four times speed and just clear a dungeon. Like you're just like, all right, I'm walking into this next thing. I'm zipping forward to this next combat. The gambits are firing off in the background. I, they're fine to fight these little sword monsters. Like right. it's gonna be fine. I need help. I need help with this real quick. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm used to JRPGs, active time battle systems. No, no like, active time battle. Stuff is just Go going on. through in order, cycles around. No. You give orders. Now you're saying you're programming your your yeah, so, team, your 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 party to do shit. So the the Final Fantasy XII has a thing called gambits, um, in which as you level up, you get slots 
that give you the ability to tell them to do certain things in certain situations. So like the main character, Vaughn, has an ability or gets an ability early on just called first aid, which can heal people when they're in the critical state, which is like they're in their last 10 percent of health or something. And so I can have a thing that says when any ally is under 10 percent, Use first aid on them. But doesn't that burn your action that you were going to take? It, it checks the order that you've put them in. So actually what I have for Vaughn, for instance, is Vaughn has an ability that's like steel, right? And so I have him set up to, by default, his, his chief thing is if there's an enemy at 100% health, steal from them. Uh, because he'll do that, and ideally he'll try to steal from them, he'll get something from them, and then someone else will damage the enemy and then he'll stop stealing from them because that enemy won't be at 100% health and he'll go down to the second thing I've given him, which is like attack whoever has the highest or the lowest HP and in and, and the enemies. Wow. Um, and the reason I've done that is if you just leave him to steal forever, he'll just keep trying to steal even after <laughs> he's stolen something. He doesn't know. The gambit isn't like – there isn't one that's like if they have something to steal, steal from them. And so you, you figure out these like neat little tricks of programming of like, OK, how can I make sure that I'm – being as efficient as I can be or that like I'm using fire whenever there's an enemy that is weak to fire um, and that I'm using a mana potion whenever I get under mana but only if I have X amount of potions left or, or something like that. You okay. know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm hoping that also gets more developed because right now I can't do like – I can't do like go from one to two in less th- in less three. You know what I mean? There's not. The it doesn't if get and, that far. Do yeah. yeah. and system. I you don't have else, if else. I wish I had if else. Yeah, I yeah. Totally wish I had if else. Okay. So bad. Yeah. Um, but I can still do a lot with it, and that's actually it, it has been fun to wrap my head around that system. But I haven't had a need to do anything really except attack the enemies. Please. Yeah. What if you? And you can also to be bad. clear. To be clear, Rob, you can also say. Pause the game. Wait a second. I want to attack that okay. enemy. I want to cast cure. I want to cast a fireball. Whatever. Right. You can totally still also yeah. do it that way. Um, but it feels like the goal of that game because as you level up, it's there's a thing called the job board where you're where you are leveling up in different directions and kind of picking upgrades based on what you want. And some of them are just like add another slot to my gambit page so that I can make it a little bit more precise, a little bit more nuanced mm-hmm. as you go down the, the road, basically. Wow. It's neat. It's That's a really cool pretty system. pretty cool, actually, But yeah. then the result is that it's 2 a.m. and I'm on 4x speed falling asleep in my chair as I kill yet That's another... That's what you've taken? 4x speed? I've taken 4x speed. <laughs> I'm playing on four times the speed and just like... Hitting sword, like, kill this group of enemies, move forward, kill this group of enemies. And I'm, like, not touching, I'm just, like, holding the D-pad, basically, to move me around. Like, I'm not actually (laughs) doing anything, because I already did the thing, which is program a good set of gambits. So so you finally arrived at the form of the JRPG experience. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) Like, that's the weird thing. You were in the cave. (sighs) God. Wow. So I'm going to keep playing it. I like the story a lot. I like the characters a lot. I think that it has a really dope aesthetic. Yeah. Um, it's, it has like the science fantasy thing going on. There are flying ships. There are lasers. There are cool-ass knights. Uh, it takes place in the same world as Final Fantasy Tactics. So it has like judges and it Good has world. like – like It's very Av- Star Wars-y. Avalice, Avalice, something e- Eva- like that. Evelice, 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 I think. Um, I also downloaded Final Fantasy Tactics for my phone, but I haven't started playing it again yet. <sighs> So That's we've been me. talking about games that we're learning from and really connecting with. And can I get one more in, Austin? Totally. I've been getting really into MLB The Show 17. Yeah. yeah I have a note here. It just says, Rob, moving mafia MLB. Yep. All the, the three M's. Three yeah. M's. Major League Baseball. Uh, so I picked this up at uh, the recommendation of Adam Smith over from Rock, Paper, Shotgun. Because uh, yep. he's a huge baseball nerd. And we were talking about 
narrative modes and sports games, and he was like, MLB actually has a really good one. Oh, really? It, it does. It's, it's a pretty stripped-down one. It's not really trying to do <laughs> the same thing at all as, like, FIFA and, uh, you know, NBA are trying to do. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, I've, started pl- like, I've decided the career mode is a good way to start, like, learning the ropes of this series. Because I've like I have not played a baseball game since like RBI baseball like back in the day <laughs> like I haven't played anything like this in ages, and it took me a long time to really grok how batting works like because on a low difficulty level you're not really learning anything it's very arcadey like they're just serving up meatballs across the plate and you can just like belt them out of the park. Mm-hmm. As you push it higher and higher, the pitchers start getting way craftier. They start throwing, uh, you know, more intentional balls your way, and you've got to actually like now see which way that pitch is going to break and figure out like, oh, I need to lay off this one, even though it right now appears to be coming into the strike zone. Right. You need to build like get the eyes for that. And I had this great like breakthrough day over the weekend uh, where suddenly it all just, like, made sense to me. Mm. Um, and I understood, like, what batting is at the <laughs> professional yeah. level. Because, like, here's the thing. Like, a lot of us have played baseball, but we played it as kids, where yeah. pitchers don't have pitches. They, they really don't. You know, they've they're got maybe... They're just trying to get it somewhere within the fair zone. Yeah. Right, across the plate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, like, they can maybe throw to certain parts of the strike zone, but they can't make the ball do anything interesting. Unless you played, like, in the high school level or above, you've never really, like, been up against a pitcher who can, like, start playing those mind games. Who can surprise you, yeah. Suddenly, I just became the shittiest hitter uh, in the <laughs> world. Like, I went from batting, like over 500 on the lower difficulty level to like plummeting to like just north of 200. I became a really shitty hitter. But I had this moment where I just started to like unpack with every pitcher. You see what pitches they've got available to them. And not every pitcher has the same menu of options available to them. Uh, some have uh, like sweeping curveballs. Some have 12, six curveballs where it just drops and you have to anticipate like, these are his options. These are the, this is what the pitcher can throw at me. And so right. actually, they can't work this entire strike zone. So I need to be thinking, like, what's he going to be wanting to throw next against a hitter of my characteristics? And if you can, and it, turn, it, it really unpacks the nature of the duel between the batter and the pitcher in a way I've never understood watching at home. Like, right. the example I'll, I'll give is. The moment I, I finally like sort of figured out what I was supposed to be doing, I was up against this um I was up against this lefty who was pretty tall and all he really had were two good fastballs. And his other pitches, his his changeup and his slider were kind of shitty, and those are the pitches that are really kind of deceptive. He didn't trust them. He didn't like throwing them. And his release point, I knew from watching his first pitch, was super high. And so he tended to come in high on the strike zone. And so he got ahead in the count, but he tried to fake me out throwing his slider, but he didn't trust it. So he throws it all the way to the outside and he fills up the count. Now it's three, two. And I need to ask you the thing that you asked me about Stellaris. Okay. Are you filling in these gaps? Is this thing just picking from, from a set of pitches and you're like, oh, he didn't trust his outsider, <laughs> his outside slider? A lot of the stuff is mechanical. Like, so okay. what you will see when you, when you squeeze the right trigger 
is the confidence level that pitcher has with oh, that wow. pitch. And it okay. changes dynamically through the game. Wow. So a pitcher might come in not trusting his curve. But if he gets if he a gets, few good yeah. strikes with that curve, suddenly he'll be like, all right, I'm feeling the curve. That's really cool. And so this guy just had ice-cold slider and change-up, so he didn't trust that stuff. And when he tried to fake me out with it, he threw it so far outside the strike zone that I was like, oh, those pitches aren't even on the menu. Like, right. if, if he's going to try to trip me with those, I know exactly where they're going to end up. So now he's got to throw a strike. And with his release point and the pitches available to him, it's going to be a high outside fastball, I think. And you were just and ready for it. I just set up. Like, I dropped the cursor over it, and I just waited. I was like, it's going to come here. And, like, <laughs> if I'd been wrong, I'd been fucked. Because you can't really react right. that much once that ball is in motion. Right. But That's so like, much different than, like, the baseball, or the arcade baseball games I grew up playing, which was literally, like, the ball comes. There's a, a the shadow timing. on the thing. Yeah. And you, t- you hit the timing, and then, like, you quickly go to the top right because the ball is coming to the top right. This sounds like it's not about that sort of reaction at all. It is about reading what your opponent can do. Yeah. and That's really cool. And also, like... It fakes you out the same way that, like, have you ever seen a a power hitter just look like complete asshole swinging for <laughs> a curve way outside? Yeah, you're like, oh, how did he not see that? Well, in MLB, like, you actually are like staring this pitch down. It's coming straight down the middle, and you're like, all right, this is my pitch, and then it just it breaks. You, you the curve becomes apparent, and it's just gone, and it fakes you out in that same way, and so you you start developing that. Um, Ability to view it not as a series of pitches, but as an at bat. It's right. it's this it's like this cohesive unit. It's not we do it again and again. It's no, we're working. This is the first this time out. anyone's tried to go deeper than an abstract level about what the psychology of pitching and batting is. Like outside of just saying, oh, you just you know you you read the pitcher, you you learn what their pitches are, you you learn when they're like. This is the first time that there's been a scenario that makes it feel like a quote-unquote duel, which is the terminology I've heard used a lot. But normally I'm like, okay, yeah, like you're being – you're romanticizing this thing. <laughs> there is no psychology of a duel here. But now that's – that was good. Good good work. Yeah. It's like, it's just like throwing a I'm feint and then a real that. jab and then, no. then you're – Anyway, I hit three homers hook. off that nice dude. Nice work. Oh, uh, nice. And so like – well, I hit two off him. They pulled him. I figured out their next pitcher. The game dynamically adjusted to high difficulty level midway through mm-hmm. the game, and I was still just like crushing it. And like it was just this really satisfying, like when it went from being me randomly trying to swing at pitches to like me anticipating, I was just like, oh, I think MLB The Show just became one of my favorite games <laughs> of the year. Right. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Awesome. Let's go to the question bucket before we wrap it up. We have 77 questions in the bucket. We've been making progress. Yeah, we're actually getting through. Give me a number from 1 to 77. 32. 32. Rob Zachney says 32. Uh, I'm turning 32. Wait, am I 32? What year is it? No, I'm turning 32 this year. 2017. Yeah, I'm turning 32 this year, I think. Okay, 32. This one comes in from... You're an 85-er? Maybe Fiverr. All right. From Donovan. I turned 32 this month, actually. Wow. Um, Donovan from Eugene, Oregon here. I asked this question to Austin during his AMA on Reddit. (laughs) It was a while ago. And thought I could provide some interesting discussion here. Some of the largest stories in history have been rogue journalists leaking information for the public, for the benefit of the public. Watergate, NSA leaks, etc. But recent examples in the video game industry have been stories like the PS4 Pro or hidden Ubisoft trailers leaking through anonymous sources, often to the detriment of a larger company. 
These, in my opinion, are relatively trivial, trivial revelations in the larger scheme of things, and I personally could, could wait a few weeks to learn about an announcement rather than have someone, else's, someone else face serious disciplinary action, lose a job, etc. Maybe that's me being a bit empathetic, but keeping a relationship with sources is a big part of journalism as a whole, and those relationships can be very easily hurt. My question is, when the publishing of info could, be, could potentially lead to lost jobs, in what situations do you all think it's acceptable to publish leaked information, and what is your personal method for determining if something's important enough to break trust? and publish against an authority figure's wishes, especially if a certain story could hurt your publication's relationship with them. Thanks for thanks a ton for the show. It's quickly becoming my go-to for a gaming podcast. Keep it real, Donovan. Patrick, you probably have thoughts on this. Well, for one, uh, I think this question confuses how sourcing usually works. Yeah. The, the, the way the question is, is phrased, the tone of it, makes it seem like when I – like. I published the report about the PlayStation 4 Pro, the original one, about the existence of that as a platform. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> like, I didn't do it against the wishes of any of my sources. Like, when I'm, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, every time I am passed information, um, I, I am vetting that and what specific parts of that. And often you get way more than you can use in the yeah. story, right? Like, so I'll get information from a source and that'll give me a framework to work with that I'll often take to other sources yep. or pass along to colleagues or people I work with, like, hey, can you, you know... Do you know someone who can... Yeah, maybe you might be able to hear this piece or confirm this piece. Um, But that that is all confirmed with the sort... Like, if this is done right, I guess I, you know, can't say that someone hasn't gotten a piece of information and then published it against the wishes of the original source, but often that is done in conjunction with the source. The idea that someone's going to lose their job over an article being published is not usually the case because... The person who passed along the information often passed it along for a reason. Those reasons can vary. Um, they can range from vindictive to uh, to gossip to I think people should know about this. Yep. So, uh, for example, you'll often see in my reporting, I tend to not publish scoops that were related to a game that is unannounced is coming out because I don't... I don't usually find a. I don't usually find those interesting, and I am often trying not to exhaust my sources. I when right. I'm asking someone else to go go on a limb and pass something on to me, and and know that their job could be in jeopardy. Like the person knows they're taking a risk alongside with that, and and we agree upon that risk and how much exposure they might have as a right. result, and, and how to limit that risk if possible. Right by right by exactly. So like, you'll see. Um, yeah. Like, uh, like so when I did the other side of that PS4 Pro thing, which is we got the spec sheet, yeah. we didn't publish the spec sheet. That spec sheet could have had information on it. Like, a thing that happens sometimes is, uh, uh, you know, a platform holder will give um, a bunch of people information, and then the way it's phrased will actually contain act, act information, as act as a yeah. watermark, which could be as simple as just like something that says the PS4 Pro has 6.4 teraflops. That's not how many teraflops it has, whatever, right. but it like has blank teraflops versus another one that says the PS4 Pro, our most powerful console ever, has blank teraflops. And like, oh, OK, well, we can limit. It's not it's not from this whole branch of who right. got this stuff. Um, and so there are ways that uh, as journalists, we try to protect our sources and and work with the sources to determine what level of protection is realistic and adequate for them to take that risk. Yeah. Um, and for the PlayStation 4, like, the, to the one of the questions that's raised in that, that email is, uh, like, the worth, right? And I think right. that's a, like, that's a, that's a genuinely interesting question to ask that is often invoked, especially when you're uh, leaking games that aren't announced yet. You know, yeah. like, what is the worth of spoiling a... Uh, PR announcement a couple of weeks ahead of time, like, oh, here's 
a new Assassin's Creed, or here is, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and each reporter, you know, answers that question uh, differently. Um, each story is even is different yeah. in terms of how you approach that. So for me, um, one, I just tend to not do product spoiler stories um, just because I tend to not find them interesting. But uh, with the PlayStation 4 Pro, I, that was not formally announced until uh, much later in, in the year in terms of, like, the, the release framing of that. If you were going to buy a PlayStation, yep. it is important to know that there is an upgraded version coming down the line. So my argument to myself about why it was important for that news to be out there was that, one, it is a huge deal that a hardware platform is doing a mid-cycle uh, platform refresh that is actually enhancing the technology within that isn't something as simple as, oh, it's smaller or right. it generates less noise. Like Especially- It is actually making... In the moment when there had been conversation from Xbox about similar sorts of ideas out in the in the wild, it was a huge thing about just from from like an industry ana- analysis perspective. It yeah. gave us context about what was happening with these under at the time what felt like underpowered systems coming off of games like Fallout Four, which were framey and busted. Like <laughs> it was important at the time for us yeah. to, to have that notion of what's happening there. On top of the thing yeah, you're saying, as a consumer, it's yes. like if you were th- if you're thinking about dropping up a hundred dollars on a machine. You might be interested or wait if there if you knew that there was a more powerful version coming later in the year. So my argument in publishing that in, in tandem with the sort of like interesting in terms of like the history of gaming hardware was that is useful, tangible, actionable information for a consumer to know that there is a hardware upgrade coming down the pipeline because that informs their ability to use the money they have in a smarter, more efficient way. And that is that is knowledge for me as someone that like spends, you know, if I think from a consumer perspective, like I would like to know that. I would prefer <laughs> yes. to know the roadmap, even if that spoils a PR announcement. It is it is advantageous to the consumer to know that earlier rather than later. Totally. I think that that's that to me is a, is a big one. It's like how does this benefit someone? And it doesn't have to be about a consumption benefit, like yeah. publishing the Sleeping Dogs, what would have maybe been a Sleeping Dogs 2 uh, information that we published, Patrick. Like, for me, that was just a, this is a super, this is a thing our readers would love to read. This is information about a game that has uh, never was given the green light to begin with, and instead the company went in a completely different way. This is like a very interesting story to see what goes into pitching what a game looks like, which has always been one of our core missions here, is like going a little bit behind the scenes on how games are made, how they're pitched, what, what goes into the process of deciding how to make a game, and then like showing what could have been the sequel to a, a game that is really well regarded and is sort of a cult classic. And like there is uh, there is a need being met there. There's a curiosity being met there that from our position also didn't put people at risk because of where the situation of that uh of what that IP was, you know, what that company had had happened to that company unfortunately. Um all sorts of stuff around that like so I I'd say that we always do that sort of calculus. Um in that larger and that to the larger thing the, the notion of like what do you owe to authority to like companies like I, what I owe them is what we give them, which is we give them an email that says heads up i 'm going to publish this article right. on X. do you have comment mm-hmm. do you have comment on this? Do you have a response for this and ninety five percent of the time you 'll get nothing. 5% of the time you'll get we have nothing to say. We don't respond to comments or rumors, uh, you know, to gossip or rumors. And, like, that's, you know, what what we owe them is that. And, and in general, 
that has never put any of my relationships with a major publisher at risk. Um, you know, some some strong looks at the next major convention or whatever. <laughs> but like, I, I you know, still on good terms with the people at Sony after publishing PS4 Pro stuff. Like, yeah, like I, the, the, you know, I published uh, that uh, the the first report on the PS4 Pro, like ju- you know, just after GDC, right, right before E3, and there was no hiccup. They didn't stop answering my emails. They didn't. Uh, you know, disallow me from going to appointments to their press conferences. Like it, th- that company in particular, like different companies handle things yes. differently. Like at Bethesda and how they um, uh, blackballed Kotaku. Like uh, Ubisoft, how they blackballed um, Kotaku. Um, uh, Sony and and other companies that worked like Microsoft when I you know revealed you know their um, uh, reversals on like DRM policies or Activision mm-hmm. and their frayed relationship with Infinity War. Like those companies were all extremely professional. Like part of that, often that is because you are, if you're accurate and you're fair and you're essentially just passing along information, often there's far less drama than you would think. Then certainly people are annoyed. PR people wish they had more power. Yep. And they, like that is the job of a PR person is to have as much power and control over a message. Um, and part of, a reporter's job is to assert is sometimes often is sometimes can be simply to assert power in a relationship to yeah. to to show that like that is not always the dynamic and that there should be an understanding that you know as I have lots of cozy relationships with PR people because it's just the nature of the industry and it's a small group and like but at, at the same time these are corporations that want your money that want to lie to you like that uh want to control their messaging and occasionally it's like useful to say like hey like hey actually nah right. here's the reality yeah in this situation that yeah. definitely is the, the other thing there is like the reason you have to take that position is because you don't ever as a journalist want to be in a position where you have to say to yourself i don't want to damage this relationship with this big company because once you start doing that different calculus, then you start saying like, well, I don't want to ask Reggie about why Nintendo, you know, uh, is so is so weird about fan projects. Like, no, I want to ask about that stuff. Yeah. And I never, ever want it to be a thought in my mind like, I hope it doesn't make my PR guy mad. I hope it doesn't make – I hope it doesn't get someone in trouble. Like, no, I want to ask those questions so that we get a clear response from a company so that we know what their policies are so then we can hold them to those policies. Like I want those answers in those situations. I want that information when it's when it comes from a source to, to – I want a response on that information. Like that stuff – having that stuff laid out helps us do the rest of our jobs really well. Yes. Um, and in general, I, I've been lucky to be dealing with people who have acted professional whenever it's been this sort of thing um, for the most part. I think it's worth asking the question, and we do have access. As, as right. somebody from a bigger media company, we mm-hmm. have a certain level of access. And I do think it's worth asking this question, not to add extra scrutiny to a smaller site or, or any, right. anything like that, but to know that there is a power dynamic and there yes. is a way that we're treated that's going to be different from the way a very small site would be treated or an enthusiast site or, or a fan or site or just an on YouTube independent or fan, person. Right, exactly. Totally. Uh, so these are questions that I think are very worth asking and very much worth like investigating for yourself at whatever point in the industry that you're in. Yeah, totally. Well, and, and for, for me, there's a responsibility to do it the way that we do it yeah. because we have that access. Because we know that Sony – and we're just going back to Sony because Patrick and I both worked on the PS4 Pro thing from different angles. Like we – we had audiences that that mattered in a way that if I had just had a YouTube channel, it wouldn't have mattered right. in the same way. And so 
to actually use that platform to push and to like inform and not just to like be cozy and get review code is like important. Like it's, it's otherwise it's not worth having that relationship. Like if we're not going to ask tough questions, if we're not going to, you know, track down things and investigate things. Um, And then the higher level thing here too is like, all of this is still always about games journalism, right? It's still going to be about video games. And that, that means that to some degree, a lot of things that feel like, you know, breaking news for us, it's, it's not going to hold up, especially in a moment as tumultuous as this is in, in the world. Um, so like, yeah, if you're going to hang, you know, leaking news about a new console, <laughs> next to whatever nonsense is happening in in uh, the in Washington this week, like right, yeah. Putin with Putin, yeah, Putin with yeah. Putin. God damn it! It's not gonna it's not gonna hang. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we also don't do other types of investigative work, uh, and it doesn't mean that we we aren't like trying to do other sorts of stories that are about. Everything ranging from you know, corruption to, to ethical business ethical practices, business practices yeah. like all sorts of other things, um, are always. In, on the move, I'd say. Uh, and it's it's going back to what Patrick said at the jump, which is like people in the press know things that they can't publish because if they publish them and and they couldn't have firm sourcing, it would go bad. And yeah. like it's one of the weirdest things about being on the side of the wall, so to speak, is like, oh, yeah, we know this, this and this. We, we're 90 percent sure on not enough to, to publish. Never going to publish at 90 percent, you know, and it can be weird. Yeah. So – I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, as always, tune in on Monday for the next episode of Waypoint Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Danielle, where can people find you? Danielle R.I. and I tell great jokes. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Rob Zachney, besides on the pitcher's mound, where can people find you? <laughs> at Rob Zachney on Twitter. And Patrick Klepek. You can find me at Patrick Klepek. And also on Monday, we're going to get that chicken dinner. Get that chicken dinner. I'm Austin <laughs> Walker. You find me. I already did this one. At Austin underscore Walker. Right, at chicken dinner. At chicken dinner. Uh, at <laughs> chickendin.er or something probably <laughs> by, the, by the end of this podcast. Uh, you can find everything we do at waypoint.vice.com, waypoint.zone. Uh, there's so many now. There's that. There's a website that just collects discourse them dot discourse dot zone for our forums. That's where right. Can, that's our. You forms. can talk to people about uh, our our the winter's mode and player unknown's yeah. battlegrounds. Uh, find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypoint vice, youtube.com slash waypoint vice, and twitch.tv slash waypoint. That's gonna do it for us this week. Danielle, what do we say to him? Wait. Bowen, Bowen. Oh, uses track. Miss you your go to EP. Bowen. Yeah, waypoint. I think slash I put three dots there. Slash B O E N. There you go. To learn more about uh, Bowen and the track. Miss you off of the EP panel machine. Danielle, what do we say to them at the end of the week? Be good or be good at it. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.